Algar Productions. I'd like to thank you all for coming today. Starbase 1043 isn't exactly off the bus lines and close to the shops, galactically speaking. <laughs> Let's just say we're all very happy to be living in a post-scarcity society, folks, because catering an event like this would have been a nightmare. <laughs> but the remoteness of this location is essential to our mission, as you will soon understand. I ask that you all please hold your questions until the end of this briefing. I'm looking at you, Jay. Uh, oh. I really expected to see Jake Sisko from the Federation News Service here today. I, uh, guess he, uh, won't be appearing at this press conference. <laughs> that one was for me. On Stardate 53016, basking in the post-Dominion War spirit of camaraderie and cooperation, the major powers of the Alpha Quadrant agreed to participate in an unprecedented interstellar undertaking. Officials from the Klingon Empire, the Cardassian Union, the Romulan Star Empire, and our own United Federation of Planets, hold your applause please, <laughs> began a joint expedition to establish a foothold in the Andromeda Galaxy for the purposes of peaceful scientific exploration. For a project of such magnitude involving political entities with uh, complex and in many cases centuries-long histories of betrayal and mistrust, resources and personnel came together with remarkable quickness. A ship carrying representatives from all four civilizations set out at maximum warp soon afterward. Some 16 years later, that original task force arrived at an uninhabited system in the Andromeda Galaxy. They began construction of a space station and four starships, one for each of the represented cultures. Five years after that, they completed construction of same, and 6,000 years after I began telling you all this, I finally paused for a breath. <gasps> <laughs> Mr. Charles, is this exploration mission being spearheaded by that original expeditionary team? You'd think so, given that it took almost 20 years to get there at maximum warp with a few extra uh, shortcuts. But as it happens, one of the things they've set up on the other side is something called a quantum transporter, which is capable of moving personnel and small amounts of material from here to the Omega Quadrant. Uh, don't ask me how it works unless you're ready to run a sidebar with your article about how the handsome and charming Starfleet public affairs rep collapsed into a sobbing heap on the stage. <laughs> Sorry, did you say Omega Quadrant? Ah, uh, yes, I suppose I did. <laughs> the uh, engineering and science guys hate when we call it that. I was trying my best not to. I think it started as a sort of shorthand because people got tired of saying extragalactic coordinates such and such by so-and-so, mark, whatever. Uh, see, because our galaxy is divided between the Alpha, Beta, Gamma, and Delta quadrants, this new unexplored region is represented by the last letter in that sequence. Uh, don't worry, nobody expects you to laugh at that. <laughs> the Starfleet personnel here with you today will, following the ceremony, be stepping into that very quantum transporter and reporting for duty on Endeavor, the Starfleet ship that our people have built for them in the Omega Quadrant. Oops, not supposed to be calling it that. <laughs> <laughs> now, Endeavor's captain has been in place for some time now, and in the interest of conserving resources, he will not be joining us today. But we do have Endeavor's new science officer here to answer any mission-specific questions you may have. And now, I'll be turning things over to Lieutenant Commander Naomi Wildman. Thank you, everyone. My name is Lieutenant Commander Naomi Waldman, and I am, as the handsome and charming Mr. Charles mentioned, the science officer aboard the USS Endeavor. Some of you may be aware that I was born aboard another deep space exploration vessel, Voyager, as it made its way home from the Delta Quadrant a few decades ago. 
It has always been my hope to follow in the footsteps of the brilliant and inspirational women I knew aboard Voyager. Admiral Catherine Janeway, seven of nine, who was liberated from the Borg by Voyager's crew, and of course my own mother, retired Commander Samantha Wildman. I'd be happy to answer any specific questions about my time aboard Voyager or my career to this point after this briefing. But first, let's take a crack at explaining this quantum transporter without quite so many tears, though I can't promise zero tears. <laughs> Using the controlled singularity technology favored by our Romulan friends, this one-of-a-kind device functions like a traditional transporter, but sends the matter that it's converted to energy through an artificial Vertron tunnel in subspace. So, no. Given the incredibly high amounts of energy required to run this transporter, our mission in the Omega Quadrant is designed to be as self-sufficient as possible. Everyone who beams over does so with the understanding that they will intend to be there a while, serious emergencies notwithstanding. I personally can't wait to get started, if we're being completely honest. And on that note, if there's nothing more, thanks so much, everyone. Naomi Wildman. Seven of nine? The same. I can't believe you're here. I'm so happy to see you. My knowledge of Borg transwarp conduits was an essential part of the research that got the task force to Andromeda in the first place. But of course, I have not been directly involved in this project for years. I'm here to see you and to wish you well on your coming journey. You are? And to tell you that I'm very proud of you. You wish to hug me? I do very much, but I also know that you're not a big fan of physical... Two decades among humans made me more agreeable to the concept, but I would prefer it if you kept this information to yourself. Oh, your secret is safe with me! I should note that a portion of this hug is being given on behalf of Admiral Janeway, who regrets that she could not be in attendance today. So what percentage is actually from you and what portion is from the Admiral? You are teasing me. (laughs) Just a little bit. Gosh, I think you must be right. Somehow, I not only mistook this facility for its Cardassian counterpart 6,000 light years from here, but I also put on this Starfleet uniform and rank insignia that I just happened to have lying around. You gentlemen have broken this story wide open. Uh, Excuse me for a moment. Hi, everyone. Is there something I can do to help? We were just... asking. None of us was aware there were any Cardassians in Starfleet, and we just... They just saw a young Cardassian woman in a Starfleet uniform and assumed she must be Tal Shiar. Oh, we never! Or was it Section 31? We definitely never. Wait. Section 31 is the Federation's secret police. I meant the Obsidian Order, of course. Dal! What is it, my dear Naomi? You know full well what it is. Gentlemen, this charismatic young woman is Lieutenant Dal Asurdo. She's a xenolinguist, xenoanthropologist aboard Endeavor, and yes, she's a Cardassian in Starfleet. If you check the records, you'll find that a number of Cardassians joined our ranks following the liberation of their homeland. Miss Lacerdo and I attended Starfleet Academy together, and she is a close personal friend. Who knows better than to toy with hapless and no doubt well-meaning reporters? You hear that? I'm a close personal friend with the great Naomi Wildman. Come on, 
there's someone I want you to meet. Sorry, boys, gotta go. My close personal friend wants me to meet someone. Quite possibly another potential close personal friend. Would you just... You know what they say, a stranger is just a close personal friend you haven't met yet. Oh, thank you. I thought I would never get out of there. I thought we agreed that you'd stick close to me so you wouldn't get cornered by reporters. I didn't realize you'd be on stage so long. Lieutenant Dallaserto, this is Seven of Nine. It's, um, it's an honor to meet you, ma'am. Likewise, Lieutenant. All Starfleet personnel report to transporters. That's us. Sorry to cut this short, Seven. It was wonderful to see you again. Yes, likewise for me as well. It was wonderful to, um... I wish you both good fortune and a successful mission. You too! Oh, god damn it. Jeez, what happened? Nothing. It's nothing because it's nothing. Do you have a crush on Seven of Nine? What? No. What? <laughs> it's, it's obvious. Yeah, I mean, kinda. Yep. Come on. Look at her. Don't tell me you never thought about it. Dal, she was like an older sister to me. Maybe even more like a second mother. Starfleet personnel prepare for transport. (sighs) Well, here we go. You ready to say goodbye to the Milky Way galaxy for the next five years? Maybe. If I'm very lucky, I'll be able to show my face in this galaxy again after five years. Maybe. Energizing. In the aftermath of a costly and brutal war, four superpowers came together to launch a bold new project. To explore a new galaxy together, as allies, with a common interest in expanding their scientific and cultural horizons, four ships were commissioned. And one of those ships represents the pinnacle of Federation diversity and cooperation, the USS Endeavor. Endeavor, created by Matt Rabotham and Ron Algar-Watt. Starring Kara O'Connor as Naomi Wildman, Amanda Smith as Dal Lacerto, and Jason Wallace as Kutch. Season 1, Episode 1, New Life. That was it? What do you mean? I mean, that was the entire experience of being quantum transported further than any living beings have ever been transported in the history of the Alpha Quadrant? I guess. What did you expect? I don't know. After all the build-up and explaining and clarifying those explanations and then explaining your clarifications of the original explanations, I guess I thought it might feel different than stepping onto any other transporter. The people who developed the system would be happy to hear you say that, considering that sending you here cost more energy than it would take to replicate a year's worth of- Oh my god, I will repay that with interest just to get you to stop talking about this. Attention! Your attention, please. Arriving Starfleet personnel, this is your commanding officer speaking. 
thought our commanding officer was a Delton. This is Admiral. My name is Admiral Kabir Zaraya, and it is my distinct honor to welcome you all to Starbase Nimbus. For those of you too young to get the reference, Nimbus 3 was the so-called Planet of Galactic Peace. It was the last time the Federation tried a grand experiment where all the governments got together and held hands and pretended to work together. I'll save you the trouble of looking it up. It was a colossal failure. This guy's a real ray of sunshine. I like him. I'm an old man and there isn't much left in this life that brings me joy. One is historical irony. (laughs) (laughs) And the other is strict adherence to military protocol. You may be here to take part in a peaceful mission of exploration, but you're doing so in a Starfleet uniform. And last I checked, Starfleet was a military organization. Admiral, sir. Lieutenant. Lieutenant Kutch, sir. You have a question, Lieutenant Kutch. Uh, Sir, I was just curious when that was. When what was? The last time you checked, sir. The last time I checked. Yes, sir. Uh, Because when I took my oath, sir, Starfleet's stated mission was deep space exploration first, with a secondary emphasis on purely defensive military action. But since you are, as you say, an old man, maybe it's been changed since you joined? Lieutenant, are you taking the piss? Because if there's one thing for which I have no patience, and I assure you, there are many things for which I have no patience... But one of them is most certainly... Admiral, sir, with all due respect... If there's one phrase I'd have stricken from every Starfleet officer's vocabulary, it's with all due respect. It's almost always a smokescreen for... Sir, the lieutenant here falls under my command as science officer of the Endeavor. (laughs) No, I don't. I'm security. I've never met this woman before in my life. Shut up and let her help you. Admiral... I think we would all agree that the most essential elements of any military organization are the chain of command and the mission. I put it to you that young Lieutenant Kutch here is assigned to the USS Endeavor, of which I am third in command. And while you, Admiral, obviously outrank me, him, and every other Starfleet officer on this station, is it not true that Endeavor's mission here in the Omega Quadrant is the primary goal of Starfleet's presence here, and that Captain G's authority as master of that vessel supersedes yours in the mission criticality? If we don't report for duty as scheduled before 1500 local time, Endeavor's painstakingly constructed agenda, indeed its entire mission would be in jeopardy. And I would never presume to speak for you, Admiral, but I suspect you wouldn't wish to be responsible for impeding the progress of a mission over two decades in the planning. Uh, yeah? Dismissed, sir? Dismissed. Thank you, Admiral. Come on, you two. What just happened? Naomi Wildman just happened. That doesn't really answer my... Lieutenant Kutch, was it? Yes, ma'am. I am Lieutenant Commander Naomi Wildman, and this is Lieutenant Dallaserto. Good to know. Charmed. I'm not sure I ever served with a Tellarite before. You haven't. Well, we don't mix well with other cultures. You don't say. Now, why would you think something like that? Your people are founding members of the Federation. It seems wrong not to- Oh, I know this one. It's because they love to argue. Dal! No, she's right. We have a cultural, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, prosperity? No, no, that, that's not it. Uh, uh, cultural... They have a propensity towards spirited debate. 
In the context of Tellerite culture, it's considered healthy and even encouraged to, among other things, question orders, which I imagine causes problems in the efficient operations of a starship. Yeah, we usually just serve on Tellerite-only ships, but I've really been working on trying to fit in with non-Tellerites. Oh, you shouldn't have to do that. That makes me kind of sad. Yeah, and great job fitting in so far, by the way. Hey, thanks! At least you're not one of those poor bastards serving here on the station under the Admiral. (laughs) She's sorry! I'm super not. You're the worst. You adore me. Is it a good idea putting a guy like that in charge of a station that's co-managed by Klingons, Romulans, and Cardassians? He's not exactly the most diplomatic choice. And that's me saying that. Thankfully, hello, an ambassador will be arriving shortly to assist the Admiral and head off any potential interstellar incidents. Captain Gia, sir. At ease, Lieutenant. I respect the Admiral's devotion to decorum, but that is not the atmosphere I'm interested in cultivating here aboard the Endeavor. Commander, a pleasure to finally meet you in person. Likewise, sir. And Lieutenant Lacerdo, I am very pleased to have one of the few Cardassians in Starfleet on my ship. Oh my god, this isn't going to be a thing, is it? This isn't going to be a thing, is it, sir? Listen, Lieutenant, just assume you have blanket authority to speak freely around me. I'll let you know if I think that you're out of line. You may come to regret saying that, sir. She's not wrong. (laughs) Okay, I, I see that I chose my words poorly there, and I apologize for that. I can assure you that everyone aboard Endeavor has been posted here based on their service record and experience, but I also thought given the uniqueness of our mission, that we might best represent where we come from by including as many different members from the Federation, and in your case, Lieutenant, non-Federation people as we can. Like missionaries for the Federation. Have you heard the good news about cultural diversity and cooperation? Yes, and I mean that sincerely. I actually wasn't being sarcastic this time, sir. Well, we've only just met. I'm sure I'll get a little better at reading those verbal cues with a little time. You'd think. I was just heading back to the ship if you'd all care to join me. They just finished the docking ports so we no longer have to take a shuttle back and forth. Of course, I know some officers prefer to go the long way and take a long, slow, loving look at the ship. Nope. We're good. Don't you at least want to have a quick look out the window? Oh. Uh, sure. Yeah, I could look out a window. Ah, magnificent, isn't she? E-N-D- E-A-V-O-R. I think they left out a letter. Oh, yeah, uh, listen, uh, don't mention that to the onboarding team unless you want them to reassign you to hull painting duty. Nobody realized the error until we'd slapped the logo all over everything, and now it just sort of, you know, ran with it. So it's Endeavor now, rather than Endeavor. Given how few actual humans seem to be posted to this ship, and of them, how many speak English... I doubt anyone else will even notice. Except very nitpicky people. Right, except me. So we really have permission to speak openly and directly when addressing you, Captain? Absolutely. Within reason. I'd like to echo Commander Wildman's concern about this speaking openly policy, sir. Captain's Log, Stardate 73016. Endeavor's week-long shakedown cruise has concluded without incident. We're ready to begin our mission of exploration in earnest. Good morning, Captain.
Captain. Commander, I hope you're settling in okay. Better than okay, sir. Everything, my lab, my equipment, the science staff, exceeds expectations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, good. Uh, now, what about accommodations? I, I really tried my best to respect the entirety of your heritage and have some traditional Qatarian dishes loaded into the replicators. I notice, sir, and it's very much appreciated. I just, I really want everyone to feel at home here and... Alright, so, uh, since the initial setup team arrived in the Omega Quadrant a few years ago, they've had long-range sensors in place to sort of scope out the local area, you know, get a feel for what we should check out first once we're up and running. This is about the radio signals from the pre-warp society? Mm-hmm, that's the fellow. I'm currently more interested in warp-capable civilizations, though. You know, sneaking around undercover on an underdeveloped world always felt like sort of, uh, like, taunting the Prime Directive to me. I'm not ruling out that sort of mission, but it it also just feels like the wrong foot to start out on, you know? Understood, sir. Now, we noticed these signals were a bit weaker than you'd expect, given their point of origin. There was no reason they should be quite so degraded by the time they reached us. Then, during Shakedown, we noticed this. (gasps) Is that a Dyson Sphere? Well, you're the science officer, but the initial research team didn't seem to think so. A Dyson Sphere, and... Bear in mind, I'm saying this out loud to make sure I understand it, not because I think I know your job better than you. I appreciate that, Captain. A Dyson Sphere is a massive structure built around an entire star system designed to efficiently collect the energy of that star, right? Got it in one. Right. Now, I know they've discovered a few of them back in the Alpha Quadrant, and they seem nothing short of miracles of engineering. Yeah, they are. This... We don't have a name for it yet. This structure is composed of a substance we've never encountered before. It doesn't close the entire star system, which is why those signals are coming through more weakly than expected. And then there's this. Those energy readings. Wait, they're just venting that energy? The entire energy of a star off the surface of the sphere? What What even is the point of this? I couldn't have said it better myself, Commander. That's your mission. Discover what the point of all that even is. Sir, I have to tell you, my mind is racing with possibilities right now. I cannot understate how exciting this is for me. (laughs) Nothing pleases me more than to hear sentiments like that. Now then, as you know, it is my intention to use our time as efficiently as possible, which means multiple missions running at the same time. So choose your team, take a runabout, and collect whatever data you can. A carbon derivative would be the most obvious choice, but this is somehow denser like... uh, Sir. Oh, yes, sir. Well, we can assume that this is an artificial structure, so if there's any evidence of the culture that built it, I'll need an anthropologist. I kind of assumed you'd be bringing along Lieutenant Lacerdo. Unless you feel our friendship creates a conflict of interests there. Oh, absolutely not. First of all, as I understand it, you've become fast friends with about a third of the crew already. You really picked a great group of people here, Captain. I think I have, but don't undersell your social skills, Commander. Anyway, the fact that you and Lieutenant Lacerdo were old friends and have served together before means you're more likely to work comfortably together as a team right off the bat. And while I want to work toward a time when everyone is comfortable working together with everyone else, I feel like Lacerdo might take a little longer to socialize than you have. Sir, I've known my share of diplomatic captains, but I believe with that one simple statement, you've put them all to shame. And while we're on the subject of crew people having a little trouble socializing... Do you remember the Tellarite security officer you met when you arrived aboard Nimbus Station? Lieutenant Kutch? Sure. I haven't had a chance to talk to him since then. I've mostly been setting up my lab and security's been busy in different parts of the ship. Also, I think he might be on third shift. Well, he is now, yes. He's... well, he's struggling a little. 
and he believes it's because he's a Tellerite. And that just makes me... Oh, God, I know. It's so sad, right? Yeah. Yeah, you, you get it. And I just... I don't want him to think he can't express his cultural uniqueness, you know? Protocol says you should bring a security officer with you on this mission, so... Would you mind terribly if it was him? I absolutely would not mind, sir. Ah, good. Because I just want him to feel included, you know? Right. I got it. And I don't want anyone to ever feel like they've... Sir, it's it's taken care of. I guess I was laying it on a little thick there, huh? Not for me to say, sir. But maybe just a little. Runabout Everest, you're clear for departure. Good luck out there. So, we're tasked with investigating the star shell, and... Uh, sorry, did you just call it a star shell? Is that not a suitably descriptive name for it? No, it is. It's also the Naomiest thing I've heard you say today. Of course, the day is still young. I think it's cute. Well, thank you. I wasn't going for cute, but... But she's Naomi, and it just sort of happens naturally. You should call it a stellar enclosure. Well, that's... One possible name, sure. Write that down. Write down Stellar Enclosure. That's its name now. Yeah, Commander. Write that down. No, I I think we're going to stick with my suggestion. Thanks, Lieutenant. Yeah, suit yourself. What's that? Are you reading a book on that pad? I am. Huh. Wouldn't have figured you for a reader. Dow. What is it that you're reading? This is the Canterbury Tales by a human called... Uh, let's see here. Oh, Chaucer. Jeffrey Chaucer. No, that's not right. See yourself. Are you interested in ancient Earth literature, Lieutenant? Not especially. In fact, I'm finding this particular book kind of somehow simultaneously confusing and boring. That was my experience too, actually. But I had to read it for school. I don't know why anyone would read it for anything but school. Why are you reading it then, Lieutenant? Well, I'm trying to be more, you know, federation Oh, God. More human, you mean? Oh, God. Uh, Correct. Uh, There seems to be some concern about me assimilating. Please don't use that word. So, rather than thinking like a Tellarite, I figured I should try to think more Federation. Which Which means means more more human. human. That's not... He's not wrong. I've been in Starfleet a long time, and you guys have a lot of big talk about diversity and inclusion, but invariably that means mostly things from English-speaking regions of Earth. And I was told that this is one of the first and greatest works of literature from those regions, so... Uh, Lieutenant Kutch, can I call you Kutch? Can I call you Nomi? Well, it's Naomi, but sure, you can. Um, Listen, nobody expects you to be anything except what you are on this ship. Captain Gia has made that very clear to me. A little too clear, if you ask me. My replicator is programmed with a whole bunch of disgusting Cardassian cuisine. Like that one where you crack open the egg and eat the wriggling little taskbar inside. Apparently they've gotten really good at that one. Oh, oh. Oh, oh and Kinar. Although, I don't know if you can actually call it canar if it's not squeezed from a very specific species of goose native to the northern all region right, of... All right, Although, I have to admit, he did the same for me with a Katerian food. I didn't have the heart to tell him I never actually met my Katerian father and that he died in the war before we got back from the Delta Quadrant. Anyway, Kutch, nobody expects you to read human literature. 
especially human literature you're not enjoying. Or comprehending. Uh, Okay, so how do I fit in better then? Cardassian literature? Oh, God, no. Every book ever published before the war on Cardassia was basically, the state is great, all hail the state. There, I just wrote a pre-war Cardassian novel in a fraction of the time it took our empire's most celebrated intellectuals. Then there was a brief flirtation with uplifting, optimistic narratives, which everyone hated. So then they just went back to the old formula. It's all pretty equally terrible. Lieutenant, just concentrate on being the best Tellarite you can be. I'm sure your crewmates would be more than willing to meet you halfway on this. That's what... That's supposed to be what the Federation is all about. Well, if you believe that is the best course of action, Commander, uh, that is what I will do. We're approaching structure. You mean the star shell? Shh. There appears to be a relatively smaller structure tethered to one of the poles. Best guess is that this is some kind of maintenance facility or monitoring station. No life signs, but we're still not really sure what to scan for here, so that's not necessarily an accurate assessment. Isn't that the point of the scanners, to scan? She means we don't know what life looks like in the Omega Quadrant since we haven't met any yet. But uh, life is life. You know, life. Two arms, two legs, a head. You know, maybe the forehead has a few bumps. Or maybe they have a hairstyle that's not fashionable on your own planet. This, um, sounds like a job for our science officer. So, most of the life in our galaxy actually descends from one common ancestor race. They seeded a whole bunch of worlds with their DNA billions of years ago. Seeded? Gross. Yeah, a little bit. And so, that's why the different races we encounter in the Milky Way tend to be bilaterally symmetrical bipeds like all of us. Oh, I I, I get it. But here in a different galaxy... Right! Here in a different galaxy, life might take forms we've never encountered or even imagined before, which means it's a little more difficult to scan for. Oh, uh, I was going to say that maybe we'd see a completely new type of hairstyle. One can only dream. So, I'm not reading an atmosphere in this enclosure. Spacesuits, then? It's actually... It's filled with water. It's like a big floating aquarium. Still spacesuits. Oh, do these work in water? Nice. So, are we thinking fish people, or... uh... I mean... Probably not, but honestly... you trying to shrug right now? Yeah, this suit's not handling quite as well in all this water as I expected. Shrug. Her security escort doesn't seem to be having any problems. Wow, you're not... Uh, Kutch, Lieutenant? Wildman to Kutch. Uh, go ahead, Commander. Uh, Lieutenant, where are you? A standard security protocol. Uh, sweeping the area to ensure safety. I mistakenly assumed you'd be familiar with this policy. Well, that's one way to talk to your superior officer, I suppose. Not that I haven't done worse. Kutch to Wildman. All clear. Thank you, Lieutenant. That looks like it might be something like a computer. See if you can get it working, or at the very least, confirm what it actually is. I'm on it. 
and I will try to make sense of these tricorder readings. I'm picking up residual traces of material that's definitely organic in the sense that we understand it. Carbon-based, complex amino acids, not as alien as I feared, but where am I picking this up from? There aren't any visible skin flakes or other biological remnants. I'm only half paying attention because I'm working here, but please tell me you didn't just say biological remnants. Someone was here because there are still very obvious traces, but where and how? The hell? Three yeses and the first two don't count. Wildman to Kutch. Kutcher. Um, report? Situation normal. <laughs> Situation normal. What does that mean? Where are you? And wherever you are, please stop doing that. You know what? Just stay where you are. I'll find you. Safe journeys. I can't say the geography of these different chambers makes immediate sense to me. There's more of those pipes and something like aqueducts? Underwater? Why would... Lieutenant, there you are. Commander? Kutch, what were those loud crashes I heard? Oh, that. Uh, well, the, the first was me initiating an ancient Tellarite rhetorical challenge to your leadership. Uh, it's customary aboard Tellarite vessels to make a loud noise or flash a light or to do generally something that gets your superior officer's attention. All right, and once you've had their attention? Uh, then we typically introduce a direct verbal challenge to the officer in question. Uh, for example, I believe your relatively diminutive stature makes you unsuited for the physical requirements of this mission. And what was the second crash? Uh, that was me realizing that... Perhaps now was not the best time to issue such a challenge and returning the object to where I found it. I can't say that wasn't the right call, Lieutenant. What changed your mind? I thought you would want to see this. What, those tubes? It's just more water. I, d I don't... Wait a minute, this isn't water. These are concentrated quantities of those organic compounds I detected. I noticed them because they're blue. Oh, yeah, I guess they are. They're swirling around inside there like ink from a squid. So, are you pleased? I'm very pleased. Excellent. So now would be an appropriate time to challenge- Let's just say that no time would be appropriate. Can you just go and float quietly somewhere for a few minutes? Perhaps I could challenge Lieutenant Lacerdo. Please don't. Lieutenant, I ch I heard. And no, you don't. I don't? Nope. Sorry to be the one to break this to you. I'm no closer to getting whatever this is working, and as much as the idea of entering some kind of no-holds-barred verbal sparring match with you does appeal to me, I have actual work to do. Oh. Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to be more Tellarite. Like Commander Wildman suggested, but it doesn't seem to be going well. Nobody's saying you can't be a Tellarite, but maybe this specific ritual might not be the best thing for this exact situation. That is... very wise. Sure. My very best wisdom comes when I'm barely even listening to the words coming out of my own mouth. Oh, hey. Find anything? Yeah, I did. Well, credit where it's due, Kutch did, but I think I figured out what he found. The reason I wasn't finding any solid traces of biological life in here is because there isn't any to be found. 
The life forms that constructed the station are liquid themselves. What, like the founders of the Dominion? No, I don't think so. They were shapeshifters whose natural state was liquid, whereas everything I've found so far seems to indicate that these beings were completely liquid-based, traveling in a liquid medium. By which you mean all this damn water. That is exactly what I mean. And from what I can tell, they were able to chemically alter their physiology to interact with their environment. I bet you can say that dumber. For my sake. And mine. Yeah, I kind of assumed that was a given. I think these liquid beings swam around sort of freely, but had enough control over their body chemistry that they could switch parts of themselves into non-Newtonian fluid. That doesn't sound dumber to me. He's got you there. Okay, metaphor time. There's an Earth novelty invention known as a lava lamp. I can tell from your vacant stares that you've never heard of it. Look, I think our aliens were clouds of liquid that could temporarily make bits of that liquid a little more solid so that they would actually move things and build things. All right, I get it. How did you possibly work all this out? As far as I can tell, the room full of tubes that Kutch found was some kind of a morgue. You mean those swirls of blue were alien corpses? I think so. Okay, you are way too excited by that. I picked up a considerable amount of ferrous material in the bodies, which I think explains why so many surfaces in here are lightly magnetized. The iron parts of their forms would be sort of subtly drawn towards, I don't know what, important objects doors, maybe, or something like a turbo lift, which I think might be what those narrow pipes over there are for. Or computer terminals. Very possibly. So your current working theory is that these sentient clouds of liquid can will themselves into growing a solid metal finger for poking things. I mean, I've only had about ten minutes to formulate this theory, but yes. That's basically it. It would follow that I should be able to tap on what we think is a console here with this piece of auxiliary bracket from my suit that I'm not currently using. Well, I feel the magnet pulling a little, so I know the metal is ferrous. That's a scientific term. Lieutenant Commander Naomi Wildman, you are a genius. Yeah, I am. I I don't understand at least half of what just happened here. But it seems Lieutenant Lucerto now has a computer to study. I think we're officially supposed to call it a device of unknown origin and purpose. But yeah, this sure looks like a computer to me. And you, Commander, will continue taking scientific readings uh, with your tricorder and doing assorted scientific things. That's the plan. So would now be an appropriate time to challenge... No! Very well. I will continue to monitor the situation for security risks. Yes, that's good. Do that. Are either of you nearly finished? No more so than the last time you asked. Science should not be rushed, Lieutenant. We may still be here for some time. This is boring. I have nothing to do, and I'm bored. You wanted him to be more Tellarite. This is what that looks like. Okay. Uh, listen... You've done a thorough sweep of the premises, yes? Several thorough sweeps. Good, good. And it is your considered opinion as the ranking security officer on this mission... The only security officer on this mission. It is your considered opinion that we're operating in a non-threatening environment? Well, yes. All right, then. If you'd like to return to the runabout so you can get out of that spacesuit and relax a little... 
you are free to do so. Yeah, go kick back and read a book. We're good here. Okay, but I, I wasn't really enjoying that book. You realize pads can hold more than one book, don't you? You're joking, right? Oh, no, I'm not. Remind me when we get back to Endeavor, and I'll teach you the wonders of modern data storage. Very well. Oh, and if you're stuck reading that one book, maybe skip to the Miller's Tale. I think you'd like that one. I will. Thank you. Gutch to runabout, one to transport. The Miller's Tale? It's the one with the fart jokes. Feels like a good fit. You should be nicer to him. I don't know. I see you trying, and it seems hard. Any luck with that thing? Yes. Is this one of those times where you say yes because you don't want to disappoint me by saying no? No? In order for me to be able to feed an unknown language into the computer and run this Sato protocol, which is sort of a first-pass attempt at determining the fundamentals of that language, I have to actually determine what part of what I'm looking at is a language. And that's where you're stuck? Well, I can sort of muddle through some basic functions of this console. Mostly what I think are environmental controls for your star shell, but most of the actual information I can access is video of those liquid aliens sort of dancing around. Cute! Adorable. Best I can tell, they communicated to one another through subtle shifts in their actual liquid forms, which I think served the function of both a written and spoken language. But it's really slow going. Wait, go back. You said you can access controls for this structure? Pretty sure I can. Want to have a look? Uh, so much. But I don't want to interrupt your work. Oh, I've downloaded all of this to my tricorder. At least I think I have. Help yourself. <coughs> you know, we haven't heard from Kutch in a few hours, and that troubles me. You sure he's all right over there? I'm sure he's fine. Okay, I got the sensors working, and there is our mysterious pre-warp society. Can you get a good look at them? Surprisingly good. The people who built this station were clearly interested in monitoring them, and... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This can't possibly be right. Is this one of those situations where I have to ask you what you're talking about three more times? Because I'm pretty engaged in translating right now. The planet appears to be massively overcrowded. I mean, I can't read pollution figures, and I couldn't even begin to guess how their ecosystem works. But even just looking around with my eyes, it's very clear that there are more life forms on this planet than the planet can support. Well, that's sad, and... I know you can't always tell from my tone, but I sincerely mean that. But we can't get involved. They're pre-warp. Prime Directive very clearly applies here. I know, but I'm seeing a massive system of orbital satellites, and I'm pretty sure there are colonies on at least one of their two moons. And? And, historically, when a culture reaches this level of development and they're struggling for resources, the only thing that ends up saving them is space travel. Only they'll never be able to leave their solar system. Because there's a giant star shell trapping them here. Correct. Naomi, I'm nowhere close to translating this. It could literally take me years. 
and that's assuming I'm not assigned to work on something else next week, and something else the week after that, which is usually how things tend to work on a starship. I know. Which means we're very far from knowing why this structure was built. We may never know. I know. Considering the mind-boggling amount of resources it must have taken to build this thing, they must have had a good reason. But what if that reason is because they were jerks? I know we're on a peaceful mission of exploration, and believe me, I want nothing more than for it to just be that. But there are a lot of jerks out here. I don't think coming to a new galaxy is going to change that. Listen, as a representative of some of the biggest jerks your people have ever encountered, I get that. You're not wrong. But have you also considered that maybe the reason those people are trapped in their own star system is that they're dangerous? Maybe these liquid people were protecting the rest of us. That thought also occurred to me. I reiterate, we have no way of knowing. I'm trying my hardest, and you know I'm really good at this. But this is all more alien than anything we've seen before, and we just don't have the data to swoop in and immediately start communicating with everyone we run into here. It's gonna be hard. Yeah, but that's why we're here, right? Because it is hard. Because it's a challenge. Actually seeing something truly new for the first time. That is, in fact, exactly what you said to convince me to come here in the first place. Yeah. The worst part of this is, I'm pretty sure I've worked out how to actually lower at least part of the star shell. Enough to leave a hole that they could get out of if they ever got that far out. And you're thinking, if you did that and we took off before they could detect us, there'd be no prime directive issue. Yes! No! I don't know! Know me. Breathe. This decision could affect the fate of an entire race, maybe two races. I know you're wearing a helmet and it doesn't feel natural, but you need to breathe slowly. You've got this. You're, you're right. I've got this. Did you call me Nomi just now? Yeah, what can I say? The guy's got a knack for nicknames. So you've managed to find something that makes fun of me and him in only two syllables. I'm so efficient. Alright, you know what? As much as it pains me to admit this, not every riddle has a perfect, obvious answer. I'm gonna have to make a judgment call here. You're in charge here, Commander. Let's drop the shell. Yeah? Yeah. It could save an entire race of people, and who knows, maybe one day when they reach that last technological hurdle, we'll end up being great friends. I mean, you and I are great friends, so anything's possible. (sighs) Right. You got everything you need here? I think I've made it abundantly clear that I have no idea what I have here. But in the interest of serving your big dramatic moment, let's say yes. Alright. We're doing this. Touch to Wildman. Uh, Commander, one side of the stellar enclosure appears to be opening. We know. All right, but did you also know that six small spacecraft are very quickly approaching your current position? Six small? From the planet? I would appear so. Looks like they're a little more advanced than you thought. Shit! Okay, um, we're getting out of here. Prep for departure. So now would not be a good time to challenge... Two to beam out! We're leaving, Lieutenant. Captain's Log Supplemental 
Commander Wildman's team has returned from the structure she's dubbed the Star Shell with some truly fascinating findings, and they've assured me that they managed to successfully escape detection in their departure. And so, I made what I felt was the best decision under the circumstances, sir. And I stand behind that decision 100%, Commander. You are my science officer, and I suspect I'm going to be trusting you to make a lot of calls like this. Thank you, sir. And Lieutenant Lacerdo, you're making progress with what you're able to download of these liquid aliens' language? Sir, for your reference, I've designated the liquid species UOS01 for unknown Omega species. Oh, I like that. And the pre-warp society inside the star shell is UOS02. Yes, I see. Consider that the official command-approved designation system. Yes, so I did manage to download what appears to be a pretty comprehensive sampling of their, for want of a better term, language. Excellent. Fantastic work. And you're making progress, then? I'm making a a type of progress. Uh, Yes, sir. I don't want to speak for the lieutenant, Captain, but if this language is anything like what I have ahead of me studying the records of their anatomy, it's probably going to be pretty slow going. I can do this. Uh, I I can do this. I can. Of that I have no doubt, Lieutenant. (coughs) Uh, Thank you, sir. I'm particularly interested in learning if this species is still alive out there, and if so, where they might be. I have a friendly little wager with my counterparts on the Klingon, Romulan, and Cardassian ships over who gets to be the first to make a first contact. And this is our first solid lead. I'm on it, sir. Ooh, no pressure. Great. Well, that would seem to be everything. Uh, Lieutenant Kutch, you've been quiet. You have anything to add? No, Captain. Hmm. All right, everybody. Dismissed. Don't worry. You've got this. Of course I've got this. Uh, Lieutenant Kutch, could I ask you to stay behind and chat a moment? Of course, Captain. Please have a seat, Lieutenant. As you wish, Captain. Kutch, may I call you Kutch? You are my captain, and you may address me however you wish, sir. Kutch, as captain, I have a lot on my plate. But don't think for a minute that I'm not concerned with what's happening to the people on my ship. I want you here because you're you, not some watered-down version of yourself that you think everyone wants you to be. With respect, sir... I've already told you you can speak your mind with me. You don't need to qualify anything first. The Federation, of which my people are a founding member, prides itself on diversity and, and inclusion. But those are just words. When it comes down to actually accepting and embracing the way another culture works... Most people seem annoyed and inconvenienced by the actual idea of it. Lieutenant, I think you're a lot more insightful than you give yourself credit for. That's a very profound observation you've made there. I don't see how that helps me. Listen, I I think I've made it more than abundantly clear that the actual idea of diversity and inclusion are important to me on this ship. Not just the words. Maybe I've even gone a little too far with it, I'll admit. But I truly believe that the Federation which, as you correctly point out, was founded in part by Tellarites, is one of the single greatest experiments ever undertaken by sentient life. And the opportunity to bring a ship crewed by representatives from that experiment to meet new life is the most important thing I've ever been a part of. We're not just seeking out new life, we're showing them what we're capable of. I don't understand. Okay, let's let's come at this from a different direction. What do you know about Deltons? Not much. You're the first Delton I've ever actually met. Oh, I have heard you're supposed to be sex maniacs. <laughs> yeah, that's... That is one way to put it. And it's 
actually the point I was trying to get to here. Okay. Deltans are indeed, by the standards of most other cultures, hypersexual. We're open with our sexuality, comfortable with scenarios that many, many worlds consider obscene or taboo, and we think about sex a lot. Like a whole lot. Like pretty much constantly. Mm, listen, I should probably go. Now, in Delta Four, this is all completely normal. And honestly, I could not tell you how we get anything done in my world because it is all the time. But I don't live on Delta Four, Kutch. I live here. And I don't work on Delta Four. I work on a starship with several dozen other sometimes conflicting viewpoints, many of which might judge some of my culture's behaviors a bit harshly. Not to mention that I'm actually in a position of authority over every single one of those people, and despite my casual nature, I am very much interested in keeping this relationship professional. <laughs> oh, oh, for, for a minute there, I, I, I thought... Uh... I know what you thought. It never happened for so many reasons. Top of the list being I'm your captain and you're clearly not into it. But that doesn't make my libido or my lifetime of cultural conditioning any less real. Sir, uh... I'm not seeing how your boners relate to what I'm going through. I'm getting to that. So, I want to be able to work around Andorians and Bajorans and Vulcans and humans, and it would be considered inappropriate to do so with, as you put it, my boners. Should I not have said that? Well, between us, it's fine, and maybe not to anyone else. So, I have that whole situation happening, and let's be clear, I like that about my culture. I don't want it to go away, but... I have to work with these people. All right. Just like your culture embraces debate to the point where it's considered disrespectful not to challenge your superior officer on a routine basis. So, my argumentativeness is like your insatiable sex drive. Now you're getting it. We shouldn't be ashamed of our cultural norms, but we also have to live with other people in the world, figuratively speaking. That sounds... Difficult. Oh, it is. Tremendously so. But fortunately, it's not just a matter of deciding to act a certain way. Or it doesn't have to be. What works for me are certain Vulcan meditation techniques that help me be more conscious of my thoughts and mindful of my actions. And if you're interested, I'd be happy to teach them to you. I'd like that, Captain. Are you sure this is where you want to spend our off-duty time? Sure. Why not? Well, it's your lab. It's where you work. Isn't it supposed to be healthier to separate your workspace from your personal space? And if you're off-duty, shouldn't you not be working? I don't want to lose my momentum on this translating. I don't know what it is about this captain, but I really don't want to disappoint him. That's just captains. Computer, Rectagino. Big night ahead? See my previous regarding disappointing the captain. I'm going to be at this for a while. Oh, I was hoping you had another date with Lieutenant Prang. Uh, yeah, she and I decided uh, to break things off. You ghosted her, didn't you? What kind of a woman do you take me for? Also, we're both scientists, and I'm personally offended by the word ghost. You know better than that. It's open! Commander, Lieutenant, I heard you were off duty. May I join you? Sure, come on in. The captain is teaching me Vulcan meditation techniques. I'm going to be a better person. Well, good. That's what we're all trying to do, isn't it? Except you, of course. Nobody's a better person than Lieutenant Commander Naomi Wildman. She's kidding. Except, also, she's actually complimenting me a little. It's complicated. Well, if that's her cultural norm, we should respect it. No, that's just Dal. 
I was hoping I'd run into you, actually, Lieutenant. Here, I got you something. It's a pad. Nothing gets by you. It's a pad loaded with... This must be hundreds of books. Yeah, I tried to curate a list based on what I know of your tastes. I can't guarantee you'll like all of it, but there might be something on there you don't hate. This is the nicest thing anyone has ever done for me. Dal Lacerdo, I do believe you're becoming more human every day. Take that back. Season 1, Episode 1 of Endeavor featured Vajal Bardawaj as Admiral Kabir Saraya, Mark Bosco as the narrator, Christy Brannon as the PA voice, Brian Lynch as DK Charles, Kara O'Connor as Lieutenant Commander Naomi Wildman, Joseph Ravenson as Captain Gia, Matt Rabotham as Woodwarp, Nicole Santora as Seven of Nine, Amanda Smith as Lieutenant Dal Lacerto, Jason Wallace as Lieutenant Kutch, and Ron Algarwatt as Burnstar. It was written by Ron Algarwatt and Matt Rabotham with Gav Drury. Special thanks to Gav Brown, Nathan LaJeunesse, and Amanda Smith. Original theme and additional music by Rich DeThorne. For more information, episode archives, RSS feeds, and more, go to ussendeavor.com. To show your financial support for this show and receive early access to episodes, visit patreon.com slash algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. Production copyright 2019 by Algar Productions. Endeavor is a not-for-profit production, and all concepts herein are property of CBS and or Paramount. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.